All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. Your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. This is the show where young salespeople get to the next stage of their career. Um, I'm stoked. It's the first day of June. Uh, we actually have a hell of an announcement today to make, um, which I will do in a second. Um, first of all, if you like this show, show some love, subscribe, hit me up on LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Um, I've got Anthony Natoli on the line. He is um, an AE, formerly uh, an AE at Outreach, formerly at Demandbase, uh, just fresh off the presses, landed at Lattice. Uh, I believe today is actually his second day there. So shout out to Anthony. And um, as part of this, we're actually um, announcing something. We've launched a community. It's called The Up and Up. And, you know, we talk for a good 45 minutes here about Anthony's story with, um, you know, trying to maintain being a successful salesperson with his battles with mental health, his battles with addiction, his battle with uh, weight loss, um, you know, a lot of different things. And it's a very common story of someone that starts doing well in sales and the rails kind of fall off personally, uh, whether, you know, again, that be financially, whether that be with your weight, your relationships, drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, gambling. And he's very open and vulnerable about that story. And so the community that we're launching literally as of today is all about trying to help salespeople both crush their goals, get to where they want to get to, but not lose their soul in the process and be able to be fulfilled, mentally healthy, all those different things um, in the process, which is easier said than done. So we'll be doing weekly live um, interviews with folks that are, it's a private community, weekly interviews. we got Brandon Fluharty today. We've got uh, folks like Kevin Dorsey, Justin Welsh, Zoe Hartsfield, Sam McKenna, Darren McKee, uh, Nick Bennett. The list goes on and on of folks that have committed uh, to be part of this and to show up and to be, you know, part of the community and, and join and, and share their wisdom. And so it's going to be live Q and a, we've got a, a discord channel. We're going to try to get some more freebies out there. We're going to try to get some in-person events out there at some point. So if you want to check that out, it is on my LinkedIn page. I, I highly recommend it. You know, you give it a listen and, and just, uh, and see if it's for you. It's uh, it's $10 a month. So for the price of uh, Chipotle bowl without guac, um, you can get access to all these amazing people in a really, uh, you know, individualized way. And, uh, you know, hope to see you there. If you have questions, feel free to ping me. Um, without further ado, I'll get off my high horse. Let's get straight into this amazing conversation with my boy, Anthony Natoli. Let's go. All right, now on the Millennial Sales Podcast, we got my man, Anthony Natoli. Anthony, happy Friday, man. What's going on? Happy Friday, brother. Excited to be here. Not much, just another day in paradise. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I feel like, you know, something that people are probably surprised by if they're not deep into the, you know, world of, of LinkedIn and, and the sales and SaaS world on LinkedIn is like how you can actually make real, you know, relationships and, and friendships uh, through, you know, the platform and getting to know people that way. And, and you're one of the people that, you know, I've really hit it off with in the last few months. So I'm stoked to have you on excited to share your story and, uh, I'm ready to, to, you know, let's help some people out today. Let's do it, man. Yeah. I share the same sentiment. Um, I'm really pumped to be here and appreciate you having me on. Yeah, for sure, man. So let's, uh, let's get cracking. Let's hear, um, let's hear the, the, you know, the overview of like, you know, how you got started in sales. I know you, you went to uh, university of Arizona, 
I don't know if, the, if sales was like on your radar when you were in school or you had, you know, parents or family members that were in the craft like before, or, or how did this all kind of start for you? Yeah. Yeah. Such a good question. And, and it's kind of a funny story. So, you know, my dad um, was a VP of sales and now is the CEO of a, a publishing and media company. And, you know, he always told me, he's like, you'd be really good at sales because the reality is I was never good in school. Yeah. I just didn't enjoy it at all. So I like was never going to be a doctor, was never going to be a lawyer. And so, uh, you know, the very few, few schools that accepted me, one of them was U of A in Arizona. And I probably changed my major three times in the first week. I was, <laughs> I was pre-law, I was sports journalism, and then I was business. And then I ended up doing a mixture of uh, finance and commercial real estate. And uh, the plan when I graduated was to uh, do commercial real estate or sports journalism. Um, I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to move back uh, east to uh, New York and, and work and live in Manhattan until one of my fraternity brothers approached me with an opportunity to get into FinTech in San Francisco, uh, which was really like a 70 person company that wasn't really FinTech. And it was really just like cold calling mortgage brokers and getting yelled at them all day long. And so, yeah. um, I moved to San Francisco after I graduated, got into that um, because it was a 70 person company. There was a lot of opportunity. The CEO was young. Um, he lived in my neighborhood in San Francisco. So I got pretty close with him. I, I graduated from being a BDR to actually like kind of selling. But again, it was finance. It was mortgages. It wasn't really sales as we know it in SaaS. And so, um, you know, I, I took what I, my dad told me in high school about my kind of street smarts and my, my natural curiosity and my ambition and my emotional intelligence and kind of ran with it. And uh, I found a lot of success and I learned a ton. Um, however, I hit my head on a ceiling personally and professionally with that company. And then, um, you know, though I was like an account executive in finance, um, I knew that in order to break into SaaS, I had to start at the ground level. And so that's when um, I started exploring SDR jobs at the age of 24, uh, 25. I forget exactly how old I was, but I was three years out of college and then uh, kind of started at the ground level up at Demandbase. Was an SDR there for nine months and then um, got promoted to an AE. And, you know, four or five years later, here I am at Outreach. So that's yeah. kind of the, the high level story of how I got into sales and where I'm at now. So let's let's dive into a few things. Let's uh, let's start with school. Um, yeah. Were you were you a, a kid that like you tried hard in school and and you just like <laughs> the learning piece was really tough for you, or you like just just didn't really give a shit, or or what was the vibe? Never gave a shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I think I got a D in like uh, um, uh, Greek mythology in like yeah. sophomore year, like the easiest class, and yeah. I was just like, ah. I just, it just wasn't for me, but it's interesting, you know, whenever I took those business classes around, um, you know, communicating with people is when my ears would perk up, mm -hmm. you know, um, I never liked studying, but I always loved presenting and talking to people and working in groups. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really care, um, about like school and to be honest, most of the things I studied in school, like I'm not even doing today, you know, like yeah. calculus or algebra, you know, I, I'm not even applying it into my, my world, but, um, the connections I've built and the, uh, 
the times where uh, I was challenged personally in college, you know, I think definitely has helped me out more than like the actual schooling part. But yeah, I didn't, didn't, didn't really care um, or apply myself as much as I probably should have, but you know, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you learned at some point um, was there and you're, you're from New York, right? Or New Jersey? So I grew up, yeah, I grew up in Jersey, um, like the central part of Jersey. So um, yeah. And was there uh, like a big, you know, was it a big decision to like go out to Arizona and then go out to, you went straight from Arizona to San Francisco. Um, like yeah. was that for me as someone that grew up in Boston, went to school there, uh, was living there for about nine months and then made a hard left turn to San Francisco. Like that was one of the best decisions I ever made just to like get outside the nest and just like put myself in a new place. Um, was, did you feel the same way? Was that like a, a pretty monumental shift for you personally, just like to be in, in uh, away from family and friends and, and stuff like that? Totally. Yeah. If I think about my life, it's like a map and, uh, the map is made up of different directions. You can take it. And I firmly believe I am where I am today because of the decisions I've made in the past. So um, I've always been someone who's just kind of like, screw it, let's try it out. And so, um, you know, I didn't get into acceptance to many schools uh, on the East Coast that I actually wanted to go to. And one of my best friends is basically like my cousin. His cousin went to U of A and I visited there and I was like, okay, this is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> this is amazing. And so, uh, I did it. I jumped in. Um, it was scary of course, but, um, I learned at a very young age age. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back on it now, putting myself in that really uncomfortable position was going to be a theme for me for the next eight years doing that. Mm-hmm. So I put myself in that uncomfortable position, only knew one person from home that went there, uh, met a bunch of people on my, my floor um, in the dorm and, uh, you know, the rest is history there. And then similarly to how I took the leap to Arizona, my mom was so excited. Like I'm getting my son home. And then I'm like, ah, actually I'm going to try this other thing out in San Francisco again. And I'll tell you what, um, San Francisco, the five years I was there were the most transformative transformable years of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I truly don't think I'm here talking to you without those years. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but those years were up and they were also very down and scary, but also a ton of lessons learned to uh, shape who I am today. So uh, yeah, to answer your question, I'm a firm believer in uh, putting yourself in those weird, uncomfortable positions that people are like, what is he even doing? Like, he's never going to make it in Arizona. He's never going to make it in San Francisco, but I said, screw it and let's try it out. Cause at the end of the day, I could always move home. So, yeah, Yeah, there's always like, it's nice to know that there's always that security blanket if you need it. Um, But at a young age to get out and get out from where, you know, what's comfortable and and what, you know, um, that's the advice I always give to people that I know that are in college or or young. It's like, take a job in, you know, in Dallas, in North Dakota, in Colorado, like it's just somewhere else that, you know, is is not known to you. And you're going to learn a lot more about yourself that way and, and put yourself in kind of unique positions. Cause it's just even, even just like making friends as an adult in a new city is just like, that's a t- like, it doesn't sound like it, but that's just a tough skill. It's just, it's a lot harder when you're 24 or 25 to just like meet like-minded people. than I feel like it is when you're in school and you're in classes together and, you know, living in the dorms or whatever it may be. hundred percent agreed. Um, so let's get into 
you you were at um, Ethos, if that's how you say Ethos Lending, and then you you made your way. You're like, all right, I want to get into tech. I'm going to start over as an SDR after a few years of sales experience. Humble yourself. Probably took a pay cut. I'm imagining. Yep. Um, and so you get in there. What was the what was kind of like the early days of being an SDR there? Yeah, I was I was uh, so excited because you know, naturally a lot of SDRs are kind of just graduating college and I had all this experience and I knew how to like figure shit out. And so I was like, I got this, like, I'm going to come in and make a huge impact. And then I quickly realized I was like, oh damn, there's a lot, a lot to learn. Like, what is this ABM stuff? Like what's, what's a marketer care about? Like, what is like, how do I work with an AE? But thankfully I, I, I don't want to like brag or anything, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not book smart, but I have like this emotional intelligence where I can just like figure things out and I know who to talk to and I know where to get help. Um, and I know how to like do my own research. And so I did a lot of that. Um, and I used a lot of that kind of natural, um, like charisma and ambition and persistence. And I started to like figure out like, okay, who are the best people on the team? What are they doing? Who are the eight? Cause I, when I came in, I was like, dude, in nine to 12 months, I'm becoming an AE. Like that is, that is, that's my mission. So what do I need to do every single day to get there? And I started to figure out, you know, okay, become really tight with my AEs, put time on the calendar and get coffee with the the mid-market VP and the manager and reach out to the CRO, who's now the CEO at the time, become close with him. And um, whenever our, our VP of sales development was asking us, uh, to do something, I always was the first person to, you know, uh, put myself out there to help. I was yeah. speaking up in team meetings. I was sharing on like day five, I was sharing email tips. Now I think that pissed a lot of people off. It's like, who's this new guy coming in, coming in super hot, but dude, that's just how I am. And I think, um, you know, I was definitely like intimidated from the like product and like uh, structure side, but I used that um, experience from the past and like who I am as a person as my advantage to like push through that. And then, um, you know, I like to think of it as the in- intangibles, the unteachables, and I can learn the rest of the stuff later. So that was like my thought process in the beginning. It's like, okay, let me use my intangibles and then, and just like have the enablement team or the leaders like kind of coach me on. Uh, best practices. So like kind of diving in head first, uh, failing, failing hard, failing quick, and then learning, um, you know, fast as well. There's so much to be said about, I mean, you know, it should go without saying that if you want to rise through the ranks, you got to hit numbers. You got to be at or near the top of the leaderboard uh, for whatever you're, you're being measured on. But there's this whole other kind of group of things that I think people, especially when they're first starting, uh, overlook, right? And it's being the person that speaks up in the team meeting. It's having those coffee sessions with uh, your AEs, with the managers, with the VP, like being well-known, you know, talking to marketing, talking to all these different people and, you know, the internal kind of selling and, and networking that you need to do um, to put yourself in position. So when there's an opening, you know, it, it's not even a question. It's like, yeah, Anthony's our guy. Um, was that, did someone coach you on that? Or is that just like, like you mentioned before, kind of like your EQ and you're just like, this is, this is the game plan. And I, I'm just going to attack this with everything that I've got. Yeah. Honestly, no one told me, um, kind of like that, that's what I should do. It's just like naturally comes to me. 
And it's sometimes a strength. It's also sometimes a weakness. Like it can rub people the wrong way when I come in super hot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a natural inclining that I had that this was the right path. Um, and I knew that other people on the team were hitting their numbers also. So what I thought about was like, how can I stand out? How can I become like the guy, like the rookie of the year? Um, to your point, when it, it came time to make a decision, at the end of nine months, I kind of had leverage because not only was I hitting my numbers, but I already built a relationship with the mid-market manager. So where she was looking for additional headcount, she wanted me. Right. And it wasn't even a question of my VP or the manager to promote me. It was like, is nine months too quick to piss other people on the team off? Yeah. It wasn't that I wasn't ready. It was like, how do we not piss everyone else off? So like- yeah. There was even an opportunity for me to get promoted quicker because there was an open headcount, but I couldn't because of like HR stuff, right? Six months was too yeah. quick. So I had to wait till yeah. that nine month mark. But um, yeah, it was just, it was just natural for me to, I'm always looking for ways to stand out uh, uh, amongst the crowd. Um, I view it as like a, a challenge and it's something that I did, you know, when I got promoted to an AE and when I joined outreach, it's like, how can I become the guy and build yeah. my brand, you know? Yeah, there, there's there's always, you know, if you ask any leader, they they probably don't want to share it, but they have one or two people on their team that are their go-to people. And it's like, if we need a deal at the end of the quarter, who am I leaning on? If we need to promote someone who like, who's my person I talk about? Who's when the CRO comes to me and asks me about my team, who's the one or two people that I bring up? And you want to be that person. And again, it, part of it is the is the obvious you want to be smashing your number, but the other part is like, you know, you're sharing tips with the team. That's helpful. Not just like to put yourself on, but like you're sharing helpful. Hey, here's what I did that. And I failed. And you know, here's what I learned from it. Or here's this email, you know, sequence that's really working well for me, or here's a call recording um, of me where, you know, I handled this objection or this competitive thing. And, you know, uh, here's a process that I created that you guys can all steal. Um, All that stuff is really important. Um, you, You alluded to before, you know, kind of like the, the ups and downs personally and professionally the first few years of, of your career. I'd love to kind of get into that story and um, how they maybe paralleled. I don't know if, if things were up in one area and down in the other uh, at different times or at the same time, but I'd love to kind of hear, you know, that story as well. Yeah, man. So I think it like, whenever I think about like struggle in the present, it always stems from something in the past. So, you know, for as long as I can remember, going back to like elementary school, middle school, I was always like this outspoken class clown type who always felt the need to do more than he had to, to get validation from others. And, you know, um, high school, middle school, that may have looked a little bit different than what that validation seeking maybe looked like in college or professionally. So um, it, the, the thing is though, it just never went away. And I was always just um, never confident and comfortable with who Anthony was. I didn't know who he was. I was lost. Um, I was super insecure for my entire life. And um, I still, you know, get insecurities today, but my, my relationship with it is just different. I'm aware of it so I can work on it. But back, you know, when I just started um, out professionally, um, you know, I was partying a bunch and I got into a, a pretty toxic relationship um, that threw me for a loop. And, um, 
you know, it wasn't until I think that relationship ended, which was also the time that I started the SDR job that like my life really went into chaos mode. Um, and, uh, you know, personally, I was not prioritizing my mental health. I didn't even know. I, I was like, I don't need help with that. Like, yeah, I got this. Like, I'm, yeah. I got a good, I'm working at a cool tech startup and I got all these friends and I make people laugh. And, um, you know, I go out and buy everyone drinks when we go out. Like, I'm the guy that like everyone wants to be around. Like, I don't need, like, everything's fine. I got it all figured out. Um, I was, you know, gambling a ton. I was spending more than I was making. I was, uh, you know, also like really bad habit with eating bad food and just not taking care of myself mentally and physically. Um, mm -hmm. And after that relationship and same time I joined uh, demand base, I was kind of like spiraling, um, but I didn't even know it. Right. I was living in this fantasy land of just like, what the hell was even going on at that time? I have no idea. I was, you know, ruining my reputation with people. Um, I was, you know, a very needy person. And I, that came off in, um, you know, I was only an SDR for nine months. And though I did well, I was super unhappy with me as a person. I was, you know, 40 to 50 pounds overweight. Um, and then I got promoted to being an AE. And at the same time, my life was still spiraling. And that, that first nine months of ramping, I wasn't like doing shit. I wasn't closing anything. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think part of that was stemming from, you know, my first time being a true SaaS sales professional, I was, because in my personal life, I was attaching my self-worth to all this external stuff. I took that to being in sales. I would predicate my self-worth on a deal closing or uh, a discovery call not going well. And as a result, I would show up just like super anxious, not only with my teammates, um, but on deals and I would be super needy and insecure. And I wasn't being myself. Like I just felt I wasn't being myself. And, uh, as a result, like I did really bad. Um, and I was so stressed out. Like I couldn't sleep at night. I would wake up in the morning and all I was doing was like, just going right to work and like eating bad food and being hungover. And again, still gambling and spending more than I, I mean, my life was chaos, but yeah. I wasn't having success at work either. So it was a mess. Um, you know, until, until one point in the summer, we were, uh, we were at a mid-year meeting in New York. And this was like year going into year two of me being a rep. I was closing some deals, but still like life was a mess. And, uh, I went home a few days early. Um, my dog, uh, my family's dog just had passed away, unfortunately. So I'd put him down and I was 60 pounds overweight, neck deep in debt. And I sat with my parents and I just broke down and I said, you know, I, I just don't, I can't live like this anymore. You know, um, my, you know, my clothes weren't fitting. Um, it was just, it was just a horrible place to be in physically and mentally. And, um, that was the summer and I, and I, uh, always wanted to change, but, um, I, I went a few more months after that, like continuing down the path, um, until, uh, it was like Thanksgiving of that, that same year of the summer, um, where, my mom, uh, had caught me, you know, continuing to gamble and I had this problem in the past. So, you know, I told her I'd stopped and basically she kicked me out of the house and she said that, you know, you're not allowed to come home for Christmas or back into the family until you get the help you needed. And that was the, Oh shit. That was the, Oh shit moment for me where I'm sitting there over six figures, deep in debt, personal loans, credit cards, um, you know, 60 pounds overweight, basically obese with a job that I have 
that everything on the outside seems like I'm just doing so well, but in reality, I'm just like so broken. Um, and so, you know, I, I hit, it was funny enough, like the, the next year I ended up hitting president's club and everything like that, but it wasn't until I realized that like my life was completely unmanageable and chaos. And I admitted and accepted that and really felt it. And, you know, that conversation with my mom and sitting at the airport for 12 hours when she kicked me out, the thoughts that went through my head, um, I had two choices. It was like, do I go down, do I continue down this path and like say, screw it and throw myself a pity party? Or do I take control back over my life and figure out how do I climb Mount Everest basically? You know, um, yeah. and I went back and forth. I was like, well, how, how the hell am I going to lose 60 pounds? How the hell am I going to pay off hundred thousand dollars of debt? How the hell am I going to do well in my job while doing this? How am I going to build trust back with my family? All these thoughts. I was like, there's like, I was just looking ahead and I was like, there's no way. Like I may as well just surrender to all of this and, and just like, let go. Cause I don't know what to do. Um, I'm still here and I'm doing better. So I made that choice there's two paths I could have taken. And I went down the path of like rediscovering who I am and getting the help that I needed. So like, um, I know that was kind of long winded, but, but yeah, there certainly were parallels to how I performed in work and the chaos that my life was at the time. 100%. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I feel like there's been a, a few folks that have come on the pod and have shared that type of story. Um, I feel like I, you know, uh, in, in different ways, but is in a similar spot. It's easy to get in that spot when you're early in sales, right? Because you're, you get the, that ego boost of, you know, being a top SDR or a top rep, you know, you can make some pretty good money. Um, you know, how you want to spend that money is, you know, can go in a lot of different ways. You know, you could, you could save it, invest it. You could drop, you know, a hundred dollars on tequila shots for everyone. You can drop it on a thousand bucks on the 49ers. You know, there's a, you know, a new bag, shoes, whatever, you know, whatever your, your potential vice is. And so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of areas that can go into. And so when you hit that bottom spot around Thanksgiving, um, and you're kind of contemplating that, and it, it seems like you got two paths and you're leaning towards one or you, or you decide mentally, I'm, I'm going to choose one. Like, what do you do from there? Like, what do you, what do you actually, you know, what yeah. happens next? Yeah. It's, um, it's funny, right? It's like, all right, how do I, uh, how do I like start? And for anyone listening out there, you know, the first step and like this, this is like funny because like the 12 step program can be applied to literally changing anything in your life. The first step is like accepting and admitting that you need help and that you have a problem. And so I looked at the areas of my life that I needed help. It was with my weight loss. It was with managing money and it was with my mental health. As soon as I accepted that I needed the help and that I, those areas of my life needed to be addressed, that's when I was able to like surrender and say, Hey, listen, I obviously don't have any control over this right now. Let me go find help. And, um, what was nice was, you know, my mom, um, she means everything to me that the next day, um, she's like, you know, she sent me a text and I still have it. It was something like, you know, uh, you're, you're going to figure this out. Like I have your back. And that was like, okay, like that was so powerful, man. I, I read it back sometimes because it reminds me um, our relationship is so much different now uh, and it's amazing. But yeah, just to know that I had that support system coupled with accepting that I really needed to make a change. 
um, was when things started to open up. Like my, my brain started to expand consciously of like, oh, wow, I'm spending so much money. Oh, wow. I overeat. Oh, wow. I do all of these things and I can make changes. I can go see a therapist who's going to help me. I can go into a 12 step program for my gambling. I can, um, start working out again. Like I, there's so many things in my control that I didn't realize for so long. And so it all starts with like accepting, um, and wanting to make a change for yourself because I wanted to change for a long time, but I never accepted that I had a problem. I was so ignorant to it. Right. When I said before, I was like, I don't need help. I don't need to prioritize my mental health. I don't need to do all this. Like I got it. As soon as you let go of the, I got it then you can start making changes. And it goes for sales as well. It's like, if you're someone who just thinks like your shit doesn't stink and you're just crushing it, but you're not getting the results you want until you can let go of that ego and say, Hey, maybe I should go seek out a coach or a mentor or ask my manager for additional help or ask one of the senior reps on the team. You're going to continue to run into the same wall. So, um, how it gets started is with that self-acceptance and, uh, admitting to yourself that you need some help. And for those listening, it's totally okay. Like it's cool to ask for help. The, yeah. The best people, the best people that I know are ones that speak their needs and, and seek help from others. Um, so, you know, don't look at it as it's something, as something, uh, as a negative. That's I, I, I couldn't agree more. What, um, what year is this like Thanksgiving and then going into like, how long ago was this? Yeah, this is Thanksgiving of 2019. Okay. Got it. So, we get into, you know, the new year, you're kind of on this, this new path, uh, yeah. personally, professionally, was it once you made the decision and once you kind of started to take steps, did you start to see pretty quick improvement in all areas? And then it, it kind of turns into this flywheel where you keep going, or did you meet some initial resistance and, and it was kind of rocky? I'm just curious. Yeah. It goes back to putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions. It was like, yeah. I didn't want to eat healthy anymore. Like it was so uncomfortable. I didn't want to eat healthy initially. I didn't want to go to therapy. Like I didn't want to go to these uh, gamblers anonymous meetings. Like that was also uncomfortable and scary for me. So yeah, I was met with resistance, but back to what I said about putting myself in uncomfortable positions, being a theme of my life and not knowing it back then and how it would turn out, like going to U of A, moving to San Francisco it just naturally allowed like going through all those things, like subconsciously allowed me to keep pushing, keep pushing through. I knew that in order to get what I wanted, which was a, a new way of living thinking, I had to put myself in these uncomfortable positions. So, you know, 2020 rolls around and I'm, and I've got this motivation, but I knew that from like, I, I read a book, discipline equals freedom by Jocko Willink. And mm. I quickly learned that motivation that I had in January was going to go away. So it was time that I started to build some habits. And then I bet I read the power of habit. And I started reading all these self-help books and learning that in order to really stay consistent, I had to build discipline. So, um, you know, of course the motivation like went away on some days, like, did I want to leave at 12 o'clock on a Tuesday to go to therapy? No, but I knew that was what was required for me to get what I wanted. And I, I always went back to, if I don't do this, my life will go back to what it was. And I'm there again, sitting. I I picture me sitting in the kitchen with my mom and telling her I'm not allowed back in the family unless I get help. Mm. And then I say, okay, let's, let's keep pushing forward. 
because I yeah. I have the power to control this. This is something in my control. Let's keep let's keep pushing forward. And so, how did this in 2020 year demand based still? Yep, I'm in demand based, and then you know COVID hits, um, and that's a whole another whole another <laughs> whole another ball game as well. So, how did you? How did this you know kind of personal journey? Right, you, you're in the the gutter. And you, you're kind of scrapping your way out day by day. Um, how did that affect you, you know, from a sales perspective? Did it just like coincide and you started to just sell the shit out of demand base and then outreach? And it was just like, you know, you, you started to crush it or, or were, yeah. were the results like in parallel or, or how to go? Yeah. So funny enough, and I think there is a there is a parallel that in 2020, I hit President's Club as an AE for the first time. And that was the year I started to really prioritize myself. Um, and I learned, I learned that life and being in sales are literally like the same. It's like the, the rep that has a big pipeline and, and doesn't like attach their self-worth is going to be the rep that is uh, asking the right questions and usually coming out on top. And it's like, you know, dating, right? Like I used to be super insecure and needy with, with women. And as soon as I started to like fulfill my life with like abundant things and activities and uh, realizing that my life was like full and I didn't need these external things to make me happy and full. Like life just got so much better. And so as the days went on of me prioritizing myself and going to therapy and learning all these things, I realized that me hitting my quota and focusing all my energy on like winning or losing a deal wasn't serving me anymore. Like those thoughts did not serve me. They did not do me well. And so I said, okay, how can I apply what I'm learning outside of work to work? And that's just like taking things one day at a time, controlling the controllables. And the outcomes are just like a cherry on top because I now view it as if I do everything in my power each day, to uh, win a deal, or if I lose a deal, like I can sleep well at night because I know that I'm doing everything that I can. And, um, you know, if I win a deal, great. That dopamine rush lasts for 20 minutes and it's on to the next one. If I lose a deal, thank God I lost that deal because now I can learn from it. So, like, yeah. it's just a mindset shift, man. And, uh, you know, I had to make that, that change in my life where I had to realize that whether it was a, a closing a deal or uh, not getting invited out with a friend or, you know, getting dumped. None of that external stuff made me less or more of a person. Everything that you are as a person's already inside you. You kind of just got to peel back the layers to really be comfortable with who you are. And once you're in that spot, it's like, not to say you're untouchable, but you're just like super self-aware. And if you get hung up on or you get a really bad email you can now be aware that like, okay, that, that sucks, but it doesn't mean that Anthony's like a shitty person. Right. And that's and you, a huge, huge shift that I had to make. Yeah. I, I talked about this with uh, your buddy, uh, Vin, who's also at, at demand currently at demand base, uh, just around doing hard shit and how important that is. And that could mean, you know, for him, he likes to do, you know, different races and, and challenges and stuff like that. I think, um, you know, all the things that, that you've talked about, you know, going to Gamblers Anonymous, you know, working out, eating healthy, um, you know, working on your mindfulness, you know, and your mental health, going to therapy, all these different things. And then all the hard things you have to do in sales to be successful, like consistent prospecting, you know, handling rejection, doing, you know, reading some of those self-help books, you know, probably, you know, following folks on LinkedIn or listening to podcasts and you know, improving your craft, you know, every 
time that you make a decision to do the hard thing, it's just like you're adding a little bit to the piggy bank, right? And it's just like, you don't really see it in one thing, like one work going for a run, like doesn't really change it. That one run doesn't. But if you do it every single day and you're doing all of these things, they add up so that when you reach adversity the next time you lose a deal, you know, something happens in your personal life, you've built up this wall of kind of like resistance to that, that you're able to, to handle that. And, you know, I'm a, I'm such a strong believer that if you want to be a better salesperson, you got to work on yourself as a person first and all the things that that means. And the results follow from that. You know, the most successful people I know in, in sales or in sales leadership, I mean, they're solid as a rock, you yep. know, per, just with themselves and they carry themselves in a different way. And you just, you just feel that when you see them, you know, through the zoom screen or in person, you're just like this person, like they've got it figured out. They've got themselves figured out. Um, maybe not completely, but, but they're in a good spot. And that's why they're able to perform at such a high level month after month, year after year. Yeah. It's the, uh, I, I try to, I try to talk about this on LinkedIn, but it's like, in order to be like a, an elite sales professional. And I think being elite means being like happy, regardless of how well or bad you're doing, you've got to be an elite human. Like you've got to yep. really prioritize yourself. Um, because that's, that's where it all stems from. Um, so I think uh, you make you make a really good point there. And like, you know, when you think about high performing, you know, athletes or actors or any type of performer, you know, business people, um, you know, there's a lot of science behind this. There's a lot of science behind, you know, what are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you sleeping? Do you have some sort of mindfulness routine? You know, um, you know, and are you reading or developing yourself in other ways and what that does cognitively so that when you're ready to perform, you know, you're gung ho and you're ready on that call or you're ready on that meeting and you're at the highest level of yourself. And, you know, if you go and there's obviously a lot of, you know, translations from like sports to, to business and, and to sales, which is maybe overdone, but I think is very apt. You know, Steph Curry is out there, you know, not only is he just shooting a million three pointers, but he's sleeping nine hours a night, you know, he's working with a sports psychologist. He's doing all these other things to get himself ready for the next game. And I think there's a, a ton of power for salespeople to lean into that and know that, you know, all of these different factors are going to impact not only how you perform, but then also how you feel about whatever that performance is for, you know, a, a, just a healthy and, and successful life. hundred percent, man. It's uh, it's funny. It's like, I love Kobe and MJ, not for like their flashiness on the court, but for the work that they put in that no one sees. Like that's mm. the, that's the shit that fires me up. Like yeah. I respect people who are putting in that work and taking care of themselves because the results don't come unless you do that. And I think most people don't realize that. Um, but you know, it's something I'm grateful that like I went through all this, the shit that I did because I'm aware of it now. Like, there, you know, I know what it takes, you know, I've been through it. I know what it takes to prioritize yourself and it's work, but it's very fruitful at the end of the day. If you do prioritize yourself and do the right things, um, you know, and without those hard times, there's no growth. And that's why the people, the mo most people don't uh, dive into doing hard things and they never fulfill their potential. And they, they are sitting there 80 years old with tons of regret. Once I realized that could be me, it became really hard to ignore um, what I needed to do every day to really prioritize uh, myself to reach that 
full potential or purpose. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it, it's a little bit scary when you, when you think about it like that, it's like, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only, uh, probably regret is like wishing that you had started sooner. You know what I mean? It's like that, that's what I think about. It's like, man, I wish like I, I'd never read the only book I read before I was 23 is probably good night moon when I was like, you know, a toddler. Uh, and I'm like, damn, I wish I knew some, you know, Napoleon Hill or some Dale Carnegie when I was 15, not when I was, you know, 23. And, uh, I wish I was, you know, knew about psychology and, you know, different workouts and all this stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I'm glad I know it now, but I, I wish, you know, everyone who was 15 years old knew about this type of stuff and it was taught in schools. And I just can only imagine how much better I feel like society would be and how much happier and more productive and everything that folks would be if they, uh, if they were taught some of this stuff. So hopefully, um, you know, there's, there's some folks listening, if they're SCRs or AEs that are in a spot that you've been, or can relate to your story that it's like, maybe this gives them the nudge to, you know, change things around a little bit. Yeah. And, and Tom, the beautiful thing is though we didn't have it, we know it now and we can give it back. And so like, mm. that's, that's what's, that's what life is about is like going through some stuff, wishing you did things differently, but now we're doing things differently. And I think you talked about this on one of your podcasts with you did with someone else, but there's someone out there two or three years behind us that needs to hear this yeah. so that they don't get to where I was rock bottom. We can help them um, realize that it's okay to seek help or, you know, make changes in your life. So I think that's the beauty of it, man. It's like, um, once you go through some stuff, you realize the importance of giving that gift back to other people. And, you know, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Let me hit you with some rapid fires. Let the audience know a little bit more about you. Um, first of all, huge learners on this pod. Uh, you mentioned a few books earlier. You mentioned Jocko, you mentioned uh, power of habit. Curious if there's any others that have made a significant impact with you, um, as a person, as a seller, um, anything that really has stood out to you. Yeah. So, um, the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday. He all, he all, yeah. It's like one of my, it's one of my favorites. Um, you got relentless by Tim Grover, which we always talk about. Um, and oh. then there's another guy that I love to follow. He's not in sales at all. His name's Nick bear. Um, he oh, owns yeah. bear performance nutrition. He has a podcast. This guy is an absolute animal football <laughs> physically, but also mentally. Um, and you know, as you've heard from me, I'm big into prioritizing, um, what it takes to be an elite human. And that guy is just an absolute, uh, beast. So, uh, another, uh, one, one other guy I love is Mark Manson. He's just very like, calls it like he sees it hundred percent straight shooter. Um, and so like his books I've read as well. So those are the people that I'm, I'm currently listening to following, looking on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about anyone from, uh, I'm not sure if you're, uh, you mentioned Nick bears podcast, but any other podcasts that you listen to either personally or professionally, and then anyone on like LinkedIn that you've been digging, uh, from the sales world that, you know, you've been learning from or, or been following along with recently. Yeah. So, um, like podcast wise, I really don't listen to too many like professional, uh, podcasts, but, um, in terms of uh, a sales book that I recently read, The Qualified Sales Leader uh, is yep. really, really solid. Um, and then 
uh, people on LinkedIn that I love. Gosh, there's so many, but Ian Koniak is awesome. Yeah. Uh, the, the guys from 30 minutes to president's club, just like the, the stuff they put out, Brandon Fluherty is someone that he like really is dialed in on like his systems and how it helps him perform at a high level. Um, yep. so those are, those are some people that I'm following right now that, uh, I admire pretty, pretty highly. Plus one to all of those. Um, what goes on in Anthony's headphones music wise? Yeah. So it depends on the day but I could be listening to like deep house EDM. Um, big fan of that. I love like old school hip hop, um, like Jay-Z, Nas, Biggie, mm. but I also love like new day, J Cole, Kendrick. Um, yeah. so I'm bumping that. And then I also love like kickback alternative from like early two thousands. So a little emo vibe, maybe yeah. uh, depending <laughs> on the day, there's some good throwbacks, but yeah, that's what I'm listening to. I dig it. I dig it. Um, We've talked about a number of, of these things already, but um, just curious what comes to mind uh, when you think about like how you recharge, you know, either after a long day of work or on the weekends or how you kind of get away from work, fuel yourself up so you can get back in there and, and get after it. Yeah. Um, do the, like do the things that like in the back of your head, you know, you should be doing, but you don't feel like doing. So for me, that's like, getting my butt up and going to get some sun and taking a quick walk. It's like, for me, at least my brain's just like, so like it goes to procrastinating and, and being lazy. And so I just got to get up and do it. And I feel so much better. Um, I also love to meditate. Um, I love the Peloton. I love to, to read. Um, and some days I just like to sit and just like do nothing. So that that's okay too. I think it's important to know though, when, uh, the difference between your body needing a rest and your mind needing a rest versus being lazy. So just like, make sure you walk that, that fine line. Um, and like, I love dogs. So if I'm ever scrolling Instagram, I don't really do it anymore, but I'm looking at dogs. Um, and yeah. I love, love, love spending time with my family, um, and my baby niece, who's just turned one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a very lucky guy. I've got a lot of good stuff in my life. Shout Happy out to your birth. niece. Yeah. She's, she's epic. <laughs> um, what you've been putting out some really great LinkedIn content as it relates to prospecting. Um, what's, what's one or two tips for folks um, if they're, if they're SDRs or AEs trying to source pipeline that have worked for you? Yeah. So um, be number one is be intentional with your prospecting, right? I think we oftentimes just like reach out to people to reach out to them when we don't have a real reason or know why we're actually reaching out to them. So I, I think step one is like, before you ever reach out to anyone, you need to know why your company yep. may be a good fit for them and what problems you can solve. So know that account, like the back of your hand. And when you actually go to reach out to them, create a hypothesis of why you're reaching out in the first place. Um, I think that'll really help. And then the second thing is create a system that you can easily follow. So for AEs out there, what I like to do is I just select two accounts per week and I focus five people at each of those accounts and I sequence them and then I start executing tasks. That allows me to uh, manage prospecting so I don't push it off. It's like, come on, Ant, it's two accounts. You can't do two accounts. And it, ha it helps me have an honest conversation with myself. It's like, you're really going to ignore two accounts. These are your future customers. Like, let's go. Um, and then I use that research that I've done uh, with my intentional uh, prospecting to then actually execute my messaging with those prospects. Um, and then 
let's all remove the fluff. No, no one cares that it's, you know, happy Friday. Let's get to the point. Yeah. Let's make sure we, we use that relevance um, in, 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 a, in a prospecting or cold call scenario. It's like, let's get to the point of, you know, the research we've done and why we're reaching out. Um, and especially in emails too, because the first thing that someone sees in an email is that happy Friday and everyone's saying happy Friday today. Yeah. So let's stand out in that first line and use that, that relevancy, that personalization that, um, I talked about in step one. So those would be my, my three things that I think you could do today. Um, if you're an SDRAE. Love it. My last one for you, who do you want to come see next on the millennial sales podcast? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> So I would love, um, so there's a new AE manager, um, for SMB team at outreach. Her name's Clara Johnson. She like has so much good stuff to say. It's just, she doesn't post it on LinkedIn too often. Um, but she's awesome. And she's, uh, someone that I admire. She definitely prioritizes mindfulness and mental health. And she was a, an individual contributor and now is leading a team, um, at outreach. So I think that could be really interesting. And then, um, someone else would be, uh, Eric or Darren McKee, they have such epic stories, um, about how they got to where they are and they're doing some cool stuff right now of helping people. So I think any of those three people would be awesome people to have on the pod. I wanted to make we, sure that I included a, a diverse group there. Yeah. We got the SAS bros coming on. Um, nice. they've been recommended a few times, so we're working out the logistics on that and I'll hit you up on an intro for, for Clara. I'd love to meet her. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, my man, I appreciate the time this morning. Um, I appreciate you being vulnerable and, and open with, with your story. And hopefully this helps some folks that are, again, in a, in a similar spot or have been in a similar spot. Um, and so you're doing great work. I have to say, before I let you talk about yourself and, and where folks can find you, that you are absolutely one of the best people to follow on LinkedIn. And I'm not just saying that, um, both in terms of you know, sharing real stories about your journey uh, personally and professionally, but also some of those very tactical points like you just made around prospecting and three tips that SDRs and AEs can use to create more pipeline, to get promoted, to close more deals. Um, and so it's a great mix. And so I appreciate you. I'll let you share uh, any, any other ways that uh, folks can get in touch with you if they like what they heard today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. That's uh, that's the goal. I just want to help people as much as possible. So, uh, yeah, LinkedIn's a great place to find me. Shoot me a DM. Always, always open to to chatting. And then um, I haven't released my first edition of my free newsletter called Notes from Natoli, but um, I've got about a hundred people pre-subscribed. And uh, if you want to get subscribed before the first edition drops, it's anthonynatoli.me, and you can find the link on my LinkedIn as well. Again, it's a free weekly newsletter where I share more. Uh, tactical and uh, stuff that like I've been through and just real life, real life stuff that hopefully resonates and you can relate to. Um, and then might be working on something else with a friend uh, that will have some more information coming soon. Um, TBD. So stay, stay posted there. TBD. My man, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Um, and everyone else will be back next week with a new episode. Peace. Thanks for checking out that episode. Start of the year. Let's kick some ass. Again, one of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.